Pastor Doug here from Crossroads. It's great to be with you. I hope that today's message will draw you closer to Jesus. Well, welcome uh, to week five of the Red Letter Challenge. Glad you're with us. Uh, We are looking at the words of Jesus, and it's not that we're simply studying them or memorizing them or talking about them. This is supposed to be a series of action. It's supposed to be a series where we stretch ourselves to put the words of Jesus into practice. Uh, And if you're a small group, hopefully you're discussing ways that that happens for you. Our last small group, we were talking about being. Uh, That's where my small group was. And the challenge at the end of our small group was to pick an area where you believe that God wants to stretch you, maybe something you've not done before or that you've not done well. And we said those things out loud. And then when we get back together this coming Wednesday, we'll check in and see how we did. I'm anticipating some really great success stories. I'm anticipating some stories of epic failure. But the key thing is at least that we will have tried. Uh, For me, in the area of being, I said, you know, Sabbath is an area that I know God wants to grow me and stretch me in. That 24-hour period of just slowing down, not doing work, I just uh, struggle with that all the time. This past week's uh, guy in our small group, he reached out and he said, Doug, I know you said Sabbath, how are you doing? And I'm like, honestly, couldn't give myself an A, but I don't believe I deserve an F either, but I am trying. Now, the good news is I think I took it up a notch. I took it up a letter grade yesterday. Uh, You might consider this cheating, but this is what I did. Friday, at the end of the day, uh, both my wife and I, Denise, went and we got the double jab, right? flu shot and COVID. Yesterday, I felt like doing nothing. It was just like so easy to slow down. Uh, So if you're struggling with slowing down and really need a Sabbath, it just might work for you. Granted, it's not as effective as getting the flu, but still it just made me want to slow down and take it easy. Now today, uh, we are talking about gifts, about giving. And some of you honestly are like, man, this is the Sunday I meant to skip. Uh, Or this is the small group, you know, that I'm going to miss out on. Because come on, do we really need to talk about giving? Do we really need to talk about money? Couldn't we talk about something a whole lot less personal, like our sex lives or like our political views? Because... For some of us, this area of giving, this area of talking about money just makes us push back. It makes us, you know, more than a little bit uncomfortable. But who wasn't uncomfortable talking about money? Who who wasn't uncomfortable talking about giving? Jesus. Man, if you take and you do a study through all four Gospels, and you look at all the red letters, and you put what Jesus talked about into different categories, you'll quickly see that money was his second most... Have you ever slowed down and asked the question, why is that? I mean, I think that's the real question, right? Why did Jesus spend so much time talking about giving, so much time talking about money? As a matter of fact, maybe you've never done this before. This will be a great, you know, afternoon discussion, car ride home discussion. If you were God, if you were Jesus, if you were God in the bod, and you had three years on earth to do ministry and talk about things, what would you talk about? I mean, because would it really, would money be one of the things that you talked about over and over again? But why is it that Jesus did just 
that? Why is the Jesus talking about giving and about finances and about money again and again and again? I think Jesus gives us the answer to that question in Matthew 6. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. See, Jesus talks about giving. And Jesus talks about money because it's a matter of the heart. It's a window to your soul, to my soul. It's a way to gauge our spiritual health, our vitality, our walk with God. That was true 2,000 years ago. That was true 4,000 years ago. And that's true today. And if you're sitting here, you're like, oh, finally, Red Letter Challenge, we're talking about giving. This is an area that I don't struggle with at all. I'm going to get a pass on this one. This one's not going to be stretching for me. Well, just slow down a moment, Kimo Savi, uh, because you know, whenever I talk about giving, whenever I talk about stewardship, I don't talk about just money. As a matter of fact, when I talk about giving or stewardship, it's always these three things, your time, your talent, your treasure. And it's likely for all of us that one of these areas comes easier and one or two of these areas are more difficult for us to give up of, right? And even throughout your life, man, it can change throughout time. There's a season of my life where, oh my words, this was the one that really pushed me. Now I'm in a season of life where it's much more, this is the stretching piece for me. One Monday mornings in staff meeting, we gather at 10 a.m. and we do multiple circles. And our first circle is this. What's going on in your life, in your ministry? How are you best investing your time this week? What are you doing? And it was two weeks ago and I'm like, I have 20 plus hours of scheduled meetings this week. And then none of those were the kind of meetings like where I get to like sit back and play solitaire or surf the web. Like they were all meetings that I'm leading, that I'm facilitating, that I have to be fully in on. And on a week like that, man, trying to give up any more time for me seems impossible. It's stretching for me to even give up that much time that week. I told them, don't worry, I have a relaxing 30 minutes scheduled because I'm going to lay in that perfect zero degree, degree position and I'm going to give my blood. And now, come on, you and I know that we have issues when the most relaxing part of our week is giving blood or going to the dentist, right? Like, like we're just going way too strong. But where do you struggle? Do you struggle in any of these areas to give? The pastor who put together the red letter challenge says this about giving. He says, I'm convinced. He says, I'm convinced it's impossible to be a stingy Christian. If you are truly following Jesus, you are generous. And I don't even think it's a gray issue. I believe it's a black and white issue. To truly follow Jesus means you are truly generous. How does that sit with you? Can, can you buy into that? Does, does that stretch you? Perhaps you grew up in a home of Jesus followers, but generous wasn't exactly one of the terms that you would use to describe your parents. 
Come on, PA Dutch, there's a lot of really good things, a lot of great things that were part of our formation that line up incredibly well with Jesus. But generosity isn't always one of them, is it? I want you to think about it like this. Think about a 1 to 10 scale. And where, where 10 is like, man, you're generous. You're generous just like Jesus was generous. Time, talent, treasure, man. Jesus is generous. And then here's one. What, what kind of words? Help me out. On the opposite extreme of generous. What's that? Scrooge. Scrooge. Great example. What else would you put here? Stingy. Stingy. Yes. Any other words come to your mind? Selfish. Yeah, you nailed it. I often think that greed is another word that can go over here. If generous is being willing to give it away, greed, it's all about me and just consuming and taking. Now think about all the words that you just listed for here. Do any of them describe Jesus? Should any of them describe a Jesus follower or his bride the church. I don't even got to give you a reference. Fill in the missing word. For God so loved the world, he he gave. It's part of his character. It's part of who he is, a giving, generous God. God's love. Is it something that we have to earn or deserve or is it something that he freely gives? God's grace. Is it something that we earn or deserve? Is it something that he freely gives? God's mercy. Do we earn it? Do we deserve it? Is it something that God freely gives? God's forgiveness. Do we have to earn it? Do we deserve it? Is it something that he freely gives? God's compassion. Is it something that we earn or that we deserve? Or is it something that God freely gives? Now back to our 1 to 10 scale, and don't answer this one out loud. Where do you put yourself? Where do you put yourself? Resembling Jesus or not so much? And then my second question for you. Where do you put crossroads? Where do you put our church on this scale? I mean, we've been working hard to be generous, to reflect Jesus' generosity, be known as a generous church. Because, I mean, come on, who wants to be a part of a church that is described more like this? We want to be part of a church that reflects Jesus incredibly well. And so many of you, man, you just lean in again and again and again in this area of generosity. I mean, you are just doing this all the time. Just our next 10 weeks. Let's take a fast forward look of our next 10 weeks as a church family. We're hosting a harvest celebration, like a huge block party for our community. You're giving up of your time, your talent, your treasure. You're doing it like all. You're just giving. And then after that, like we switch gears immediately and we're going to do what we did last year. And we partnered with Water Street Rescue and we did the food drive. 
And last year, it was last minute of the man. You just nailed it. You just brought in food again and again to feed the hungry in our community, to care and provide for the homeless. And I, will you do it again? I mean, I don't know about you if you've experienced this, but twice in the past month, I've been to the grocery store, I've been checking out, and I'm like, that can't be right. And before I leave the grocery store, I pull my cart over. I get out my receipt because I am pretty sure I am going to customer service to get a refund. And each time, I'm not getting a refund. In the midst of everything increasing in price so dramatically. Will you still be generous? Will you still lean in and feed the homeless and feed the hungry? And then right when that's done, we switch gears. We talk about our Christmas Compassion Campaign and partnering with Compassion International. And there's something that's so incredibly healthy, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, of going and partnering with people overseas, third world, where you really get to understand what poverty is about and wheeling in to defeat poverty and free people from poverty in Jesus' name. And you do that again and again and again. Church board in November will be talking about any possible year-end surplus. Things are looking lean. There might not be much of a surplus, but what do we do? Because continually as a church, you've always marked a percentage of that, of any potential year-end surplus to go and to bless other people. And the first time in my history of being a part of this church, guess what's no longer an option? Debt reduction. We can't guarantee, we can't put any percentage towards debt reduction this year. I'm looking forward to seeing what church board decides. And the list of ways goes on and on the ways that you're generous. Because I really believe that you get this, that you live this out, that you understand Matthew 6. Back to Matthew 6 where Jesus was talking. Because he says, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Come on, Jesus isn't anti-wealth. Jesus isn't anti-treasure. He just wants you and I to have our priorities straight. See, loving God and loving others means giving. Giving of our time, our talent, our treasure. In other words, if you're not really a giving, generous person, if you're not giving of your time, your talent, your treasure... You can't really love God and you can't really love others. It's a hard issue. It's a hard issue. And don't these words that Jesus spoke 2,000 years ago seem so incredibly relevant today? For those of you that are blessed to have investments, for those of you that are blessed to have funds in retirement, it's been a rough year, right? You saw it go away. You saw it dwindle down. That's the thing with earthly treasure, right? There's no guarantees. There are absolutely no guarantees. This past Tuesday, I was driving my mother-in-law back to Chambersburg. 
she started talking about the loss of her husband. And she just had this bit of regret. He didn't really get to enjoy retirement. All the hard work, like all the saving, and then a health crisis just ended his life early. I mean, isn't that true? Isn't that sort of like, you know, the thing with earthly treasures? Isn't that the thing with retirement? We want to be wise. We want to plan. But there are absolutely no guarantees that you'll ever really get to enjoy it. There's no guarantee for earthly treasure. But Jesus says, heavenly? Heavenly treasure, man, that's where there is certain return investment. That's where it is guaranteed. It will not disappear. And that kind of heavenly treasure, we only build it up when we are generous, when we are giving of our time and our talent and our treasure. Now, I want to ask you a question. Maybe you've never thought about it like this before. Can you be generous? Can you live a generous life if you don't trust God? Can you be generous if you don't trust God? You trust God with your eternity, so you give him your life. But what if you don't trust him with your money, with your time, with your talent? You're always going to struggle with being generous. It's a hard issue. It's a matter of trust. Story maybe you've heard before. Jesus is going through ministry in Luke 21 and You might have never thought about this through the window of trust before. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them. For they have given a tiny part of their surplus. But she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. This poor widow has given more. This poor widow who has given the equivalent of less than two of our pennies has given more. See, Jesus teaches that generosity... It's not about quantity. It's about trust. It's about sacrifice. This widow, a female in this time period, she's a little bit older, like her hopes of finding another husband are probably rather low. And there is very slim to none chance that she can find any kind of a way to provide for herself, to have food, to have shelter. What an act of trust that is to give all that she has to God. I mean, come on, if you were going to think through yourself in this story, to give all that you have with no guarantee of getting any more to be able to live, I mean, do you have that level of trust? I don't. Honestly, I don't have that level of trust. Just begin to imagine the amount of trust that that would take. It's not about quantity, is it? 
It's a hard issue. It's a matter of trust. First full-time ministry in Sarasota, Florida, early on we were going into a building campaign. And it was simply build to reach was our driving force, our title. But our motto was this, not equal gifts, but equal sacrifice. I love learning that lesson in my 20s. Man, that somebody to drop a check for $100,000 is less of a sacrifice than it is for somebody else to give $100. It's about being trusting with God with all that he has blessed us with. And the widow gave more because she trusted more. Hers was the greater sacrifice. So what's generous look like? Here's a definition. If you Googled it, if you looked it up in a dictionary, showing kindness towards others, showing a readiness to give more of something than is strictly necessary or expected. If you look at the biblical definition of generous, you always come back to this, profoundly kind and unselfish. Now let's uh, compare that to stingy or greed. Greed is that whole idea that it all belongs, it's all for my consumption. Greed is a never-ending desire and compulsion to get more of anything. Greed is the belief that if I get more, I will be safe, secure, and happy. Greed is a strong and selfish desire to have more of something. And greed's not about wealth. You can be poor and be greedy. You can be wealthy and be greedy. And isn't it so easy to always want just a little bit more? Isn't it so easy to think I just don't have quite enough? So easy to get caught up in greed, which takes us away from generosity, takes us away from reflecting Jesus well. Just a little bit more. Just a little bit more in my retirement account, and then I'll be secure. Just that next purchase. Let me get just that one more thing. And then I'll be content. Just that next raise, just that next promotion. And then I can be generous. Barna, just in the past couple weeks, released this huge study on giving in the American church. And the one section is titled, Why Giving is Good. Because giving is so incredibly good for us in a multitude of ways. I want to give you just a couple samples of the findings. One of the questions with it was this, why do you believe? Which do you believe is the most important reason why Christians are called to be generous? The majority, here's from high to low, to reflect God's character by showing love to others to give back in appreciation for God's generosity towards us, to become more like Christ, to show faith and trust in God to provide for our needs, to give back to society, and it keeps getting lower, to build God's kingdom through community, to contribute to solving many of the world's problems. Because we are commanded to be generous, to redistribute resources more equitably, and then the lowest category beyond other is because our time and resources do not belong to us. 
there are all really good reasons to give and to be generous. But I don't know where you're at, but for me, I would flip this script because this would be my number one. Our time and resources do not belong to us. I've always had that idea. That's part of my theology, that God owns it all. My time, my talent, my money, my treasure, my resources. Because if it's mine, have you struggled with this? If it's mine, if all my money is mine, all my investment is mine, and the world and the markets around me start to collapse, man, I'm going to have sleepless nights. If it's time and it's all my time, man, as I get older and older and my time is much more limited, that's my time, man. I'm going to be selfish with the remaining time that I have. It's all going to be about me. If it's my talent, my skills, my gifts, and the thought that a health crisis could take it all away in the blink of an eye, I'm going to live in fear. So why? Why do you choose to give? That was one of the other questions. And I love the large one, the big one here. 69% of people, why do you choose to give? I give because of who I am. Isn't that a beautiful answer? I give because of who I am. Not because of why I'm asked or for what or who's asking or anything else. I give because of who I am. I give because, man, I want to reflect Jesus well. I give because I'm a Jesus follower and Jesus was generous, so I'm going to be generous. I give because of who I am. So let me show you just one last graph here because I want you to see the good, the, the good of giving. And the question is looking at different areas where people are flourishing. And what you'll see in every area of life, people who are givers, people who are generous, man, their faith life, 30% healthier. Their relationships, 20-some percent healthier. Their jobs, their occupations, their studies, you're looking at 20-some percent healthier, flourishing, thriving, growing. Your finances, so much better. Your well-being, just your general well-being in life, you'd mark yourself so much healthier. Because giving is good, because God cares about our heart. He designed us to be generous, and he knows that it can be so incredibly good for us. Then when we get this, and when we give it over to God, that he owns it all. Man, all areas of our life improve. We're thriving. We're growing. We're developing. And Jesus, when he talks about money and giving, He's talking about heart issues. He wants something for you. It's not that he wants something from you. And maybe even that statement's a lie. Because not only does God want something for you, he wants your heart. He wants your heart. So here's the challenge. This week, stretch yourself. Grow, man, this week. Get uncomfortable. What would it look like to grow in generosity in your life? How could you be generous this week? 
a timely gift, a helping hand, an act of kindness, giving something up to help someone in need, whatever. How would God just let this stretch you in this area this week? In other words, how can you give God more of your heart? In other words, how can you grow in your trust in God? How can you be stretched to develop, to grow, to mature as a follower of Christ, as a disciple of Christ? Henry Nowen says it like this. He says, generosity has many levels. We have to think generously, speak generously, and act generously. Generosity cannot come from guilt or pity. Don't miss that one, right? Generosity cannot come from guilt or pity. It has to come from hearts that are fearless and free and are willing to share abundantly all that is given to us. So why does Jesus talk again and again and again about giving? Why is Jesus so incredibly comfortable talking about money? Because it's all a matter of the heart. And he's concerned for your heart. And he wants your heart. I'm going to wrap up our time here today. And we're going to be singing this song. And I, I love the lyrics. Everybody praises the thing they love. You, do you understand that? Am I a jerk of a pastor if I tell you I really like how excited you are about the Philadelphia Eagles right now? Could you at least be that excited about God, right? I mean, come on, if you talk constantly about this, could you still talk like about God that much? Can you praise God at the same level if not higher? Does it make me a jerk? It might. I'm sorry. I'm not a sports fan, okay? <laughs> Everyone announces what they adore. You spend some time with somebody. Just listen to the conversations. See what they do with their free time, their talents, their treasure. Man, you will know what they adore. Where you lay your treasure, there is your heart. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to laugh at an uncomfortable subject. It gets incredibly personable when we start to talk about giving and money. But right now with open hands, can we just say that God, you own it all. Our time, our talent, our treasure. And as Christ is formed in us, as we grow spiritually, as we take that next step in our discipleship journey, you craft in us to be more and more generous. May we reflect you well individually. As a church, man, may Crossroads be known as being incredibly generous. May the words stingy and greedy and frugal and scrooge and selfish never be used in the same name as Jesus or in the name of Crossroads Church. May we draw people to you May we bless the world around us. May we bring a little bit of the kingdom of heaven to earth as we give generously to you and to the world around us. We give you our hearts. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks again for listening. Any step you take towards Jesus is a step in the right direction. You can find out more about us at crbic.org. That's crbic.org. Thank you.